0: This is Solid Foundation Ministries with Dr. Pierre Couvert, building solid foundations through sound Bible teaching. Welcome back to Solid Foundation Ministries. Today I'm going to play a message I preached in 2011 just before leaving the church in Bellingham and moving to Lenore. It was a long message about the importance of the gospel and standing fast on God's Word. Today will be part one, and next week we'll finish this message. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Galatians chapter 2. Although the truth of the gospel has been attacked since the beginning, it is under attack today, I think, as it never has been before, or maybe not, maybe the first century had an equal attack, but, but for many centuries it hasn't been attacked as it is today. And the price of passing... The gospel on from the first century to us today has been very, very expensive. It's cost a lot. Fifty million of our Baptist ancestors were killed for their faith during the Dark Ages. Now, the Dark Ages are a thousand years. We know the Lord's coming back. We just don't know when. We look at circumstances and we think it could be today. But... I can assure you that Paul thought that in the first century. Uh, I've read some of the things that they said around the year 1,000, because they thought, well, 1,000, that's just like we did in the year 2,000, uh, which which those of us that are here tonight can remember. And and so we've always expected it. We should look at it as the imminent return of Christ, that he could come back at any time. But we don't know. It could be another 100 years or another 1,000 years, because he hasn't told us. He's told us to be ready. And if the next generation is going to have the gospel in the fullness of its truth, we're going to have to be willing to pay the price necessary to pass it on to them. It's interesting to watch churches. The first Baptist church in America supposedly was founded by Roger Williams in in, uh, Providence, Rhode Island. The church building is still there. It's still called a Baptist church. But it's anything but. If the Lord's return should be far enough into the future to where uh, Bellingham Baptist Church could be around that long in in its history, have that much history behind it, I would pray to God that it would still be an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist Church, still getting the gospel out to a lost world. It's an important issue, and it's something that is is on my heart a lot. That's one of the reasons that I'm retiring. It's because I want to get out and preach this kind of thing in more places than just here. Because our churches are falling right and left, because they're getting caught up in the things of this world. But the gospel must continue. That's an absolute essential. If you're there in Galatians chapter 2, in verse 4 it says... And that because of false brethren, unawares brought in, who came privately to spy out our liberty which we have in in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Now he starts this out by talking about false brethren. Now, brethren means they're of the same nature we are, right? But these are false brethren. So it means they're really not. But they pretend to be. Surprisingly, not all of those who call themselves Christians are. Not even all of those who call themselves Christians and go to good churches or who... who uh, uh, pretend to stand on the truths of the scriptures are. See, to some people it's an outward thing. And being a true Christian is being born again. It's something that happens inside. It shows on the outside, but it happens inside. But there are false brethren some of the false brethren are ordinary lay people and they'll come into a church and they'll just start a little bit here and a little bit there and they'll start uh, trying to sway people to their their position and and move people in this direction or in that direction to get it to go where they want some of these false brethren are preachers i'm sorry to say some of them stand up and and pretend to be men of god pretend to be preaching the word of god you know, folks, we need to remember the Bible can be made to say just about anything you want it to say. The Bible says that Judas hung himself. It says, go ye therefore and do likewise, and whatsoever ye do, do quickly. So I can make a case from the Bible that we should all go out and hang ourselves quickly. But what I did is I took things out of context... From A piece from here and a piece from here and a piece from here. And I brought them together and put them together. And I build a doctrine upon that. Folks, we can't do that. We can't take things out of their context. They have to be kept in their context. And, and, and there are preachers out there who can tell the story so well that if we're not careful, if we don't know our Bibles, if we don't know what the Bible really says, we can easily be led astray. And don't say, well, I couldn't be Yes, you could. I've seen better people than any of us here tonight. I've seen preachers that I had a lot of respect for get caught up in something that came in subtly. It was a little bit at a time and get drawn away. And I have seen churches uh, go completely out in left field led by those preachers. That's why I tell you, you don't follow a man. We've got the Bible, and we've got the Lord Jesus Christ to follow, and that's who we keep our eyes on. And not on not on a given individual, not even me. Some of them are even pastors. Folks, I, I know of independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, so-called, pastors that have gotten saved. Because they weren't saved, yet they were up there, and they had all appearance of being Faithful men of God. So we need to know that they're out there. You know, I once had somebody tell me about nasty people. They say there aren't very many nasty people in the world. They just move around a lot. Well, I don't think there are a whole lot of preachers out there, of pastors, at least in our kind of churches, that are false brethren. But there are some. And we need to realize that. You know, something else about them, it says... That they come in unawares. They're brought in unawares. That means they don't come in and say, Hey, I'm a false brother. and Look at me. I'm going to lead you off into left field. They don't do that. We're usually not aware when they arrive. There's a good church in, in Colorado. that uh, It's Foothills Baptist Church. It's in Loveland, Colorado. Uh, pastor Harms pastored there for many, many years. A good man. And his health got to where he could no longer Pastor. And the people of the church sought another pastor. They brought in a man who I could name. I went to school with him. On the surface, he was a good man. Then he got into the church, and I don't remember what the heretical doctrine was, but there was a heretical doctrine that he started teaching in that church. Fortunately, the church was strong enough and wise enough, he didn't last long enough to do any real harm in the church. But you have to be careful. We have to be careful not everybody out there that says I am one is It says they come in to they came in to spy out their liberty. They want to see what kind of liberty we have and how it's exercised. They want to see uh, what we're doing. You know, the Bible says that we have liberty in Christ. It doesn't mean liberty to do anything we want. Jesus said that we should know the truth and the truth would set us free. The truth gives us liberty, but it only gives us liberty when we follow it. If we don't follow it, knowing the truth won't get us liberty. Most of us in this country know most of our rights as American citizens. Most people in this country are not doing anything to defend them. Knowing them won't keep them. We'll have to stand up for them or we will lose them. Just as an example, take the, the, the freedom of religion that we have in this country. They're trying to change that, just a subtle little thing, to the freedom of worship. It's not the freedom of worship. It's the freedom of religion. What's the difference? That means that I have the freedom to believe and to practice, both in private and public, my religious faith. Freedom of worship means what I do when I go to church or when I do in the privacy of my own home, but I have no right to do it out in public. They've changed this. They've taken away. If there's a Christian in, in high school that is a real hard worker and becomes a valedictorian of their class and they get up and, and they uh, get to speak at the, at the graduation ceremony, they can't talk about their faith. Yes, they can. It's a constitutional right. But we've allowed them to take that away from us because we haven't stood for it. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that, and you shouldn't do it belligerently, but I'm just saying, these people come in and they, and they take away. Uh, what they want to do is gain our loyalty to them and lead us into bondage, it says here. Lead us into bondage, the bondage of false doctrine. Uh, and they, they want to turn us away from the truth now I will be very generous and I will say that there are some of them who are unaware of the fact that they are doing that because they were taught wrong and nobody's shown them the truth but you still have to be careful whether they know what they're doing and are doing it on purpose or whether they're doing it because it's what they what they've been taught doesn't change the danger that's involved so we have to be careful we're not to give them any place There's no place for doctrinal compromise. Now, there are places in our lives where we must compromise. All of us who are married know what I'm talking about. We have to compromise to have a happy marriage. We each have to give some. But when it comes to biblical doctrine, there's no room for compromise. Now, there are some things that may not be absolutely clear in the Scriptures, and we can have differences in, of opinion. But when it comes to, to the important doctrines and the doctrines that are clearly spelled out, there is no room for compromise. Pastors may, must take great care to be faithful to the Word of God. I spend more time in my sermon preparation making sure that I'm telling you what it really says and not what I want it to say than I do anything else as I prepare a message. And oftentimes I'll start going somewhere and I'll take a passage that's familiar and it seems to say that and I'll look at it and look at it in its context and, whoops, I can't use that passage. doesn't mean what I'm teaching is wrong, but I can't teach it from that passage because I have to be faithful to the Word of God. Church members must also study so they can understand sound doctrine. How in the world are you going to know if a new member or, or, or a visitor or a new pastor is sound if you don't know what the Bible teaches? You see, it's not just my responsibility to study the Word of God. It's yours also. It's not just my responsibility to know it. It's yours also. So you can protect yourself. So that if I happen to start being one of those guys that's drawn off, and believe me, it could happen. I'm not infallible. That you can be there to warn me and get me back where I need to be. You see, we all have the responsibility to know the Word of God. So I have some problems with all of these modern Bible versions where only the pastor can tell you which one's right on any given passage. That he becomes a pope, that he has control, and you have to go to him. No, stick with a good Bible version, stick with the King James Bible so you know what it says, and we'll all be in agreement if we take it for what it says. The truth of the gospel must continue. We only have it today because of the suffering of our forefathers. There was a group of Christians that go way back at least to the 2nd century in the, in the mountains where France and Italy and, and uh, Switzerland all come together down there. And they were called the Waldenses. And they stood faithful down through the centuries. They're some of our ancestors. One of their groups, uh, which was very, very large in southern France, was called the Cathars or the Cathari people. And they stood faithful for centuries. Sadly, they eventually went astray also because of the pressures put upon them. But they were killed in great numbers. We were missionaries in Carcassonne, France. It was, it was in Montfort, just a few miles from Carcassonne, where the last of the faithful Cathares were, were massacred. You know, true Bible believing Christians will never be the majority. They'll always be in the minority. The world will hate us. They don't like us because we make them feel bad. We must be willing to do what's necessary to pass on what we have to the next generation. Because if we don't, who will? The Pope? Yeah, sure. I mean, he, he doesn't know. Or if he does, he sure hides it well. Now, this first point is really just introduction. Because what I really want to talk about this evening is about standing fast. Go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. It says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. We must stand fast in the faith. Now, folks, stand, it doesn't say stand fast in faith. It says, stand fast in the faith. That means the doctrines that are communicated to us in God's Word. It's not not talking about the fact that we believe. It's talking about what we believe. And we need to stand fast in sound doctrine. And let me tell you something, folks. It is not just the important doctrines. Because who are you and who am I to say what doctrines are important? I mean, if we disagree with them, we can say, well, they're not important. Is the doctrine of baptism important? I think it is. The fundamentalists don't. Now, we're fundamentalists, aren't we? But I'm talking about the Christendom-wide group called fundamentalists. They don't agree on the importance of the doctrine of baptism. How about this one? Is the doctrine of salvation an important doctrine? I think it is. But there are those that say we're saved all kinds of different ways. The doctrine of the church is important. What is the church? It's a local assembly. Go right on down the line. These are some of the things that that there's disagreement on amongst Christians. But the Bible doesn't disagree. The Bible is pretty clear on these things. You know, we live in a time when professing Christians don't like sound doctrine. We were warned about it in Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. It says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They'll have ears that itch to hear what they want to hear, and they want a preacher that'll scratch their ear, not a preacher that'll step on their toes. And folks, we need preachers who'll step on your toes. I like it when I'm sitting out there and a the preacher steps on my toes. He says something, and the Holy Spirit can talk to me and said, Pierre, you need to work on this in your life. You've got a little problem here that you need to fix. That's what I like. And we should all like that. We should want our toes stepped on so we know what we have to change. Uh, doctrine is what exhorts and convinces those who speak against the things of god. Titus 1:9 says holding fast the faithful word talking about the qualifications of a pastor here but it's good for all of us holding fast the faithful word uh, as he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Gainsayers are those who speak against Whatever it is. In this case, we're talking about the precepts of God. The gainsayer are the ones that say, oh, it's a bunch of hogwash. Oh, it'll never work. Oh, you know, this is better than that. And we use sound doctrine both to exhort them, that means to encourage them to do what's right, and to convince them of their error. It's through sound doctrine. It's not through our personal opinions. It's through what the Bible says and and sharing that with them and explaining it where necessary. To do this requires character. Character is something that is missing in society today. Well, I guess I shouldn't say that because everybody has character. But let's say good character, strong character is missing today. We all want to be liked by everybody. I'm no different than you are on that. It requires character, character enough to be watchful. What we do is we get wrapped up in our own things. We get wrapped up in what's going on in our lives and we stop looking around to see what happens around us. The Bible says we're supposed to walk circumspectly. That means watching around us, seeing what's going on. We need to be aware of what's going on spiritually in this world. We need to to be aware of, of those who are drifting away from the center line where they ought to be. We need to be watchful. Character enough to stand up when the going gets rough. And folks, it probably will get rougher before it gets better. And we need to have the character to stand when other people are mocking us and saying mean things about us. and things. We have to have the character to stand up for what's right. Now we need to do it in a right manner. We need to do it in the least belligerent way we can. We shouldn't do it in a hostile manner. We should do it in love, but we should stand fast. We should understand that the people out there that are doing it don't know any better for the most part. Well, some do, but most don't. And we need to be willing to love them and pray for them. Turn with me, if you would, to Galatians chapter 5. let's look at another area where we need to stand fast. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Lost people out there don't realize that they're in the bondage of sin. They don't realize that. But they are. And when we get saved, we're freed from that bondage. Jesus said that the truth would set us free. Man actually thinks very little of truth, and in particular of the truth, the truth of God's Word. But they don't think much of truth. You get talking to these people out there, and they'll say, well, that's your truth. Well, actually, it does happen to be mine when it comes to the Bible, because I believe what it says. But that's truth. It's not my truth and your truth. You and I cannot have different truths on the same subject. Either you can flap your arms and fly away or you can't. It doesn't matter what you believe. When they they say, well, you know, you believe in a God that's supposedly a God of love that would send somebody to hell, and I don't believe that, that's your truth. My truth is God is all love and he's got no condemnation in him whatsoever. Well, they can believe that if they want, but it still will not be truth. The Bible is clear. God doesn't want to send anybody to hell, but because of sin, he will send those who refuse to repent, turn to him, and come to him on his terms. Which, of course, is faith in Jesus Christ. God's truth is absolute and never wrong. And you're talking with people, Have you ever heard anyone say, because there are many out there to believe this, there are no absolutes? That statement is an absolute statement. So they have at least one absolute. (laughs) And it is absolutely sure that if you jump out of an airplane at 35,000 feet without a parachute or anything to, to, to stop you, you will go splat when you hit the ground. That's an absolute truth. And if you die without Christ, it's an absolute truth. You'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. It's an absolute truth. Doesn't matter whether people want to believe it or not, it's an absolute truth. We have true liberty in Christ and in Christ alone. Without Christ, we're slaves to sin. We're slaves in a couple of ways. First of all, we can't avoid it, it's part of our nature. We sang the song about, and Bob said, sins, and then he corrected himself to sin. Sin is greater than sins. Sins are a list of things that we do that are against God's principles. Sin is a nature that we're born with, that causes us to do those things. And we're bound to that. We don't have a choice Oh, we can be trained like you train a dog not to do certain things or to do certain things. We can be trained, but our hearts are still sinful. And we do it with resentment or we do it for personal gain in some way. But another way that we're slaves to sin outside of Christ is we're we're slaves to its consequences. The problems that it caused in this life and then the lake of fire for all eternity. Without Christ... We're under bondage to the law. You see, the law tells us what sin is. And if we break God's law, then we're guilty before God. James says if we break it in any point, we're guilty of all. It's broken. And all of us have broken it. And we're under bondage to that because in order to be saved by the law, we would have to be from the instant of our uh, conception, till we die absolutely faithful in every point of the law. But even if you can name all of the Ten Commandments, you still don't know all the points of the law. The Ten Commandments are but a summary of the law. Just read what Jesus had to say about some of the commandments. You don't have to actually commit adultery in order to be... uh, uh, an adulterer, all you have to do is lust after a woman to commit adultery with her in your head. Just think about it. You don't have to kill somebody to be a murderer. All you have to do is get so mad without cause that you want to kill them. All of us stand guilty before God. And, and uh, that's the bondage of sin. But in Christ, we have His righteousness placed into our account And so we have the righteousness where God can forgive us and take us to heaven. Actually, you know, that's kind of a trite way of putting it, take us to heaven. eternity is a lot more than just going to heaven. But we're not going to be sitting around on a cloud playing our harps. We're going to be busy. Doing what? I don't know. But we're going to be busy because God made us to work. Work is where health and happiness comes from. Today, everybody thinks that that happiness comes from who's going to win in the football game tonight. But you know, that's not where my happiness is. My happiness is in my work, whatever that work may be. When I was in a secular job, doing the best I could there brought me happiness. As a pastor and, and being in the service of God, doing the work is what makes me happy. It gives me joy. It makes me feel good. So we have liberty in Christ, and we're to stand fast in that liberty, not be drawn back into the bondage of sin, is what it's talking about. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. Only let your conversation be as becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. We are to stand fast in one spirit. Why do you think the world is spending so much time laughing at Christianity today? Because we don't stand fast in one spirit. We've got this church that believes this, and this church that believes that, and this one that believes that, and we all say we have the same Bible. But we all say we're taught from the same book by the same teacher, the Holy Spirit. Then why are we getting different answers on the test? The world is saying, "Well, you can make it say whatever you want." If you don't believe me, well, over here you got the Catholics; they claim to be Christians. And over here you got the Mormons; they claim to be Christians. They didn't used to, but they do today. And you got the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they claim to be Christians. And you got the Evangelicals over here, and they claim to be Christians. You got the Baptists over here, and you got this group over there, and this group over there, and they all believe different things. So, how do you know what's right? You see why it's so important to stand fast in one spirit, where well, we're in agreement on what the Bible teaches. The Bible says what it says, and it doesn't change. From 1611 to the Bible I have laying in front of me, there have been some changes. They have changed the script. Have you ever seen the old buildings, and they have, have, in God we trust, and the trust has a V instead of a U? The old script that the original King James was printed in had V's for U's and S's for F's and all, or F's for S's and all kinds of things like this. Do you know why we call a W a W when it's really a double V? Because in, when we gave the name to that letter of the alphabet, those were U's. They've made some corrections of the printing, not of what was translated, but of the printing. Well, folks, we're going to have to end this for now. Be sure to come back next week as we finish this message. I'll play a little overlap to remind you where we were when we left off. But it's important that we understand why the gospel is important and why we must make every effort to stand firm for the things of God. You have been listening to Solid Foundation Ministries from Lenore, North Carolina. Dr. Kuvert has 35 years in the ministry as a former missionary and pastor. He is available for revivals and various conferences on missions, Bible, Baptist heritage, and the family. To find out more, go to our website, solidfoundationministries.com, or call 828-244-6505. Remember, the Christian life is not about you. It's about God receiving the glory.